Hello again. In um, this podcast, I thought I'd talk about something that um, I was actually inspired by um, by um, a post in Facebook. Uh, I think it was yesterday, actually. It didn't really matter. But it, it's about mood. And by that, uh, I'm not talking about how you get up in the morning, uh, but I'm talking about how we would describe perhaps a photograph or an image that has or perhaps promotes an emotional reaction in us. So when we look at a particular um, photograph, the photographer is perhaps trying to convey or initiate a particular emotional reaction in the viewer. So that's what I'm talking about when I talk about mood. And the particular photographs that I saw, it was just a collection um, that this this person had done. And they were all um, urban kind of shots. They were just street shots. They were shot at night in fog, um, normally one person at least in in the frame, but generally not centre, and one or more street lights, sort of amongst the fog. And um, I really liked it as an image, and I want to talk a little bit about why and how you can think about creating that kind of shot, something that elicits a mood uh, in the viewer, and the tools that you have as a photographer as you're constructing the photograph to do that. And also what kind of um, emotional response you're trying to um, create in the viewer as well, because it doesn't all have to be, um, let's say, uh, contemplative or fearful or anything like that. You can also have quite happy moods. So there's different ways you can do that. And I want to talk about how that's done and um, perhaps give you some food for thought, something that you can try out yourself and see how you go with it. So, Really, there are, I think, two main elements, or let's say kind of headings that the, the um, composition would come under. And then within that, there are, there are more details. So the two headings, let's call them, are light and how you use the light in the shot. And then the other one is space. So looking at light, first of all, how you use light, and here I'm talking about contrast, I'm talking about shadow, uh, I'm talking about all of those elements that that um, create how how the image looks from the perspective of the brightness and light. So you might have an image that's very dark. This might be a portrait. It might be um, an urban shot. Could be anything, but it's basically quite dark, and your subject is lit by comparison. Maybe not fully lit, but partially lit. So if it was a portrait, for example, you might have half the face in darkness or in shadow and the other half is is lit. So you've got an unusual shot or it might be a profile um, photograph of somebody where the background is completely black. Now, these don't have to necessarily be black and white. And again, I'm kind of throwing color in under the, the light um, heading. So black and white is definitely very powerful. Uh, because it's like because it has that abstract quality to it. It's, we don't see in black and white, and so any normal scene that we look at that's in black and white immediately becomes slightly abstract because black and white photographs and images are all about shapes and textures. So we're looking at the shape of the object, and also textures will be brought out in black and white photographs and black and white images in the way that they wouldn't necessarily be. Uh, if they were in colour. And in fact, the colour colour can be a distraction. Uh, there's a quote, and I'll paraphrase it because I can't quite remember it, and I've forgotten who said it, but it was something about 
Um, if I take a portrait of somebody in colour, I'm photographing their clothes. If I take a portrait of them in black and white, I'm photographing their soul. And there is definitely uh, a very different feel, a different mood, if you like, to um, a portrait, let's say, of somebody that's in black and white compared to exactly the same image in colour. And if you don't believe me, I just have a go. Take a colour photograph of somebody and just take all the colour out and then perhaps experiment with some of the other things I'm going to talk about and see how your response to that image changes. And this is really um, what I'm talking about. And as I say, I think this is a very powerful tool that we have at our disposal if we think about it and if we're trying to create photographs that have a real impact. uh, There are things we can do that at least heighten the chances of creating an emotional response. So we've got the light. So obviously that would talk... We're talking about things like the the amount of exposure. Is it overexposed, underexposed? Are certain areas of the um, the frame uh, brightly lit? Are they dimly lit? Do they have no lighting at all? Are they completely dark? Um, how do we use shadow? So shadow in, in the street images that I'm talking about was also another element of, of how that photographer had put them together. So look at the shadows that you have naturally if you're doing that kind of a shot and look at how you can use them. But also on top of that, of course, is contrast. And that's probably the key thing that you'll be working with to get really high impact. Because if you think about it, if you have a low contrast shot, so um, again, if we look at this from a black and white perspective, you've got your blacks, you've got your whites, but you've got a lot of grayscale in between, and you can clearly see elements of the different grayscales uh, as you um, as you look at the photograph. And if you take that same photograph and then increase the contrast, so essentially what you're doing is removing the amount of grayscale that you have, and so the the blacks and the whites are much stronger are much more dominant in the image than they were previously. How does that change the image? How does that f- change the feel of the image? And of course, another thing you can do with that is to change the grain. So again, in the in the days of um, film, when I started, I would sometimes deliberately pick a very grainy film to get a particular feel. Normally, they'd be the much higher ISO, um, which t- would tend to be much bigger grain. Or conversely, you can go for a very small grain, a very fine image, um, uh, so a much slower uh, rating, and that would give you a very, um, it's a very detailed, very kind of high definition image. So obviously with today's digital cameras, we can just do that in the camera. So And, and then again, in post-processing, we can emphasize the amount of grain in the image. So having a very grainy image is another way of changing the mood of that image or having something that's very, very fine grain. So you can't see any grain at all. It's just very crisp blacks and whites and maybe greys in there. But that, again, has a different mood to it than something that's very grainy. So that's um, just another element within that that broad area of, let's say, contrast. But grain would be in addition to contrast. But they will have a big impact on how that photograph feels Uh, when somebody looks at it. And I'm going to jump into something else that I often talk about, and that's the storytelling aspect. So you may have heard me talk about the visual storyteller. If you haven't, then um, please do. (laughs) There is definitely at least one podcast about that, probably more than one. And I definitely refer to it quite often because that's the approach I use when I take photographs. 
and it automatically eliminates several of the, the kind of common problems that many people have with their photography. But the reason it's so important is that we are natural storytellers. And if you think back um, a few hundred years, it's very easy to picture a group of people sat around a campfire at night or a fire in a home, wherever it is, sharing stories. If you go back a little further, this was what histories were, to use the perhaps the earlier um, meaning of that term. Histories were about telling stories. And in fact, the mark of a good storyteller was to add their own spin on a story that had been passed down to them. So as you go through the generations, each generation is adding their own little twist, their own little spin to a story. But that was how history started. It's not what we would uh, regard as history these days, which is all about facts and um, figures. But that was how all of that started. And if you go back even further to the days, and here I'm talking thousands, tens of thousands of years, to things like cave paintings, if you think about those, whether it's somebody just spraying or spitting paint onto their hand, which is held up against a rock and they get the outline of the hand, or somebody's drawn an animal, maybe with a stick figure chasing it. These are all stories. And obviously they had a a very specific meaning to the people who wrote those stories. And as time goes on, those meanings can change. And the reason I say all of this is that if we're not clear on a story, we will tend to create our own story because that's what we do. People love stories. It's why Hollywood's so so popular, TV, all the rest of it, books before that. We love stories. So you can do that in a photograph by using the second heading that I was talking about, which is space. So where you position your subject and what you do with the space around them can ha- it will have a big effect and a big impact on that person who is viewing that image. And again, if you don't believe me, just try um, taking a shot with a subject that pretty much fills the frame and then try the same subject, but much, much smaller in the frame. So they're a very small part of the frame. And look at the difference. And particularly if you take the subject out of the center, doesn't have to. I mean, this is, you know, we do our own thing. There are guidelines in this case, not rules. It's all very subjective. But if you put your subject over to one side or perhaps down in a corner and have a lot of space, what is that space doing for the viewer? So as an example, if you and this actually is something I see quite often in television these days in in more modern um, dramas, they'll often have um, a headshot of somebody speaking, but they're over in, let's say, the right-hand part of their frame and then looking out of that right-hand edge of the frame. So there's a whole maybe two-thirds of the frame behind their head, which has just background in it, or it might be out of focus or something. But what's going on, if you if you know what I'm talking about, what's going on when you look at a picture like that? Subconsciously, we're looking, we're waiting for something to happen in that area. Maybe we're expecting some someone or something to come from behind Maybe it's pointing towards the past rather than a physical, something physical behind them. But this is where the subconscious will try and fill in the gap. So I've heard this referred to as negative space. It's not something I like because to me, negative is just something that takes away. Whereas this space is actually adding to the whole mood of the shot because subconsciously, at least, and maybe even consciously, we're beginning to fill in that that space. We're thinking about why that space is there 
in relation to the subject. And obviously, if you did that the other way around, so that the space is in front of your subject, whether that's uh, a moving car, a running animal, a portrait where somebody's looking into the space, what is that doing? And you can probably answer this question anyway uh, in regards of what it means to you. But what is that space creating? Is this something in the future? Is this somewhere they're going? This is the kind of thing that we get when we begin to play with space. So, I mean, one of the things I, I did quite deliberately with a wildlife photograph when I was in South Africa, I was on a hill uh, on the edge of a little valley and uh, on the other side, the, the hill on the other side of the valley, it was covered in trees, but there was a small clearing and there was an elephant in that clearing. And because of the distance, it looked quite small. And I deliberately took a shot. I did it in portrait format had the elephant quite low down in the frame and over to the left. And the frame was mostly filled with trees. And that did two things, at least to my mind. One of, one of them was to show the context, the, the kind of countryside that elephant was in, where it was living. And secondly, it was to try and make the point that the elephants, we think of elephants as being big things, which they are next to us. But if you have something that's big in a very small space, or it looks very small in the space, then it begins to talk about the significance and maybe how big they really are compared to to something else. Um, there was another frame I remember. This was from the um, James Cameron movie, Titanic, if you've seen that one. There is uh, one frame of the ship. Uh, it's it's um, getting dark uh, or it's at night, so the lights are on in the ship, but it's just obviously digitally created but it's kind of a long shot of the ship and most of the frame is made up of the ocean and again making the point that this um, ship which was um, I think the largest ocean liner at the time by a few inches uh, how small and insignificant it really is when you compare it to the ocean and obviously the power of the ocean and what's in the ocean in relation to the story of what happened to that that ship so the reason for talking about all of this is to just try and make the point that how you use space in your photography is just as important as what you're doing with the subject because you can create something that perhaps is different to how other people would normally shoot that subject, be it a person, an animal, something else. Uh, so think about those techniques. So again, just to recap, I guess, the main things I've been talking about, let's start with the light. So what's bright and what's dark in the frame? Um, how are you using contrast? Contrast, I think, is really important to get a, a high-impact image. Uh, so how are you using the contrast? Um, how are you using colour? So are you going black and white? Are you going to for a colour shot? And then how saturated are those colours? Because if you create a very highly saturated image um, that can create quite a happy feel if you, if you think about it if you've got something that's you know a happy childhood memory you might want that in very bright colors because it might it's kind of uplifting kind of lifts the spirit to to see that photograph so think about that and, and equally if you um, desaturate the colors then what's the effect of the overall image there if you play with contrast and, and saturation they will have a very big impact on how that image feels so that's two aspects of it. Um, 
Another one is the grain. So this is, again, something I like to play with on occasion, just deliberately make something very grainy. And also there are certain shots I want to take where I, I want no grain at all. I want them to be very high resolution, very sharp, very crisp. And that also has uh, a, a quite a... It, if you think of the same image with virtually no grain against the same image with a lot of grain, how do they feel? What's the difference between them? Um, and again, I'll let you answer that question. Hopefully there is a difference, but that's these are the kind of things to think about. Um, I've then spoken about how you use space. So um, again, that's really important where you put the subject. So you'll no doubt be familiar with the rule of thirds. If not, <laughs> um, my training course will tell you all about it, but I've also spoken about it in webinars and there are also other composition techniques you can use. So it's not just rule of thirds, there are others too. And what impact are they having on the viewer? How are you, are you taking them on a journey through the image that you have? Um, are you creating a lot of um, empty space against the um, subject? Is the subject pretty much filling the frame? Is it much more about impact being very, very close to that subject? Maybe even a close, that might be, uh, the image is mostly somebody's eye or an animal's eye um, or their mouth or a tooth or whatever it might be. So you can take any element of your subject and really zoom in tight onto that. And that might, with the view, to saying something about that animal. So if you, say, zoom in on the teeth, then that might be a predator. I'm, I'm thinking predator here, but it obviously doesn't have to be. But that will give you send one kind of a message to the person who's viewing the image. Whereas if you um, do a close-up on the eyes, that can be something quite different. And again, with an eye shot, what's the colour? How are you using colour? How are you using light? How are you using contrast? How are you using shade? Um, all of those things. So hopefully you're getting some thoughts and some ideas on things that you can try with um, perhaps your next shoot or when you next go out with just, first of all, on the composition itself. So where you're putting your subject in relation to the frame and other things in the frame. And then what you do in post-processing, how you're going to use color, contrast. Um, maybe you want to even deliberately defocus. I tend to do that in the camera. That's the way I operate. I like to set my depth of field and go from there. But how you set the depth of field is also very revealing. Because if you have um, a subject, again, let's say a person, and their eye is sharp, that's what I generally go for. And the background, you can see something in the background, but it's not clear. Does that mean that for that person, that thing, whatever it is in the background, is something that they're not aware of? Or do you want to make the background sharper? Do you want to show a threat? So maybe the focus is on actually the background object and not the subject, the per, let's say again, person close to the, the camera, they're out of focus or slightly out of focus and you've got this subject. So for example, I took a photograph of, um, I think it was a wildebeest calf. It had been prancing along past some bushes down to where the, this group of wildebeest were. And what it was blissfully unaware of were two lions who were just sitting close to where I was behind one of these bushes. And the, the wildebeest, I think, had no idea they were there because they didn't move. And um, although wildebeest have that kind of sight to the sides, um, I think because the lions, excuse me, weren't moving, 
it was probably completely unaware that they were there. So, um, but again, by taking that shot with the focus on the wildebeest, but with one of the lions in the foreground, but it's slightly out of focus, I'm trying to make the point that, yeah, that's the focus. It's the young wildebeest, but there is a threat there. And because it's out of, out of focus is saying, or to me at least, that we all interpret in our own ways, but to me it's saying that that little calf isn't aware of the, the, the real threat that, that sits there to its life only a few metres away. So these are the kind of things we can play with. Okay, so that really covers um, pretty much everything I wanted to talk about, at least for now in mood. I, I find it a very interesting topic. Um, I used to use it a lot when I would do, uh, certainly on photo walks where I was doing urban photography, I'd play it a lot because often we would do those in the evening and you get to the winter months, so you're doing it at night. And um, you, you can play around with lights, headlights, uh, street lights, all those kind of things can have an impact on the uh, the final um, image that you come up with. And it can look quite different to what you're seeing with your eye. And, and hopefully in doing that, you've got something that's of interest to the viewer because it's a, a perspective of view they haven't seen before, maybe haven't even thought of before. And that will engage them with that particular image. Okay, so on that note, I will uh, wind it up there. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you found it useful and I'll speak to you in the next podcast. Bye for now. Just before I go, I want to let you know that there's a couple of ways you can support me if you feel so inclined. Uh, with the podcast, Buzzsprout, which is the um, the platform I use for all of my podcasts, they have a subscription model. So if you feel that you would like to subscribe, a few dollars, a few euros, whatever, um, to the podcast, that would be much appreciated. The other option is my Patreon membership. So if you'd like to become a patron, and that starts at the price of a cup of coffee every month, you'll get access to exclusive material, behind-the-scenes material, photography tips, all this kind of stuff, depending on which tier you're at. So there is some information available through my website and um, also on the, uh, uh, the written text to go with this podcast. So if you choose either one, thank you so much in advance. And whether or not you do, I hope you uh, continue to enjoy the podcast and let other people know about them. Thank you very much. Bye for now.